Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Julie Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. been a season for many of us within the church, within the body of Christ, particularly in this nation, where the enemy has probably been for years, just windling away at us, just pushing away at us, just just working uh, against us to stop us, to close us down, to shut us down, to make us sick, to make us depressed, to make us oppressed, to get us discouraged, to push us back. He has sent everything He can. Because I tell you why, because there is an anointing on this nation that is going to actually send an anointing across the nations of this earth that are going to bring in the final harvest of the Lord before the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God is looking at this nation right now. He's looking at us right now. And you might be sitting here thinking, no, you don't understand. I've failed. Because the enemy's been using that word over and over and over again in the minds of the saints. That word, I have failed. I have failed. I blew it. I tried. I tried to pray. I tried to seek God. I tried to do the ministry. I tried to be the best I could. But I blew it and I failed. And the Lord is saying this right now. He's going to reboot you. He's going to wipe your mind clean of those words, failure. And He's going to reintroduce His anointing and His calling and His destiny on your life in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Just close your eyes and lift your hands to the Lord right now. Father, I pray a fresh anointing, a fresh anointing right across this room. Every hand that is lifted to you, Lord a fresh anointing, a rebooting of your spirit in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I thank you, Father, that you'll come. Father, that you'll rest upon us in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Lord. An anointing right now, an anointing right now that breaks every yoke of bondage, an anointing right now that raises you up in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. There's a scripture in Isaiah 60 and verse 1. And in the Amplified Version, it says it like this. Arise from the prostration and depression that circumstances have held you in. Arise and shine for your light has come. I want to say that again. Arise from the prostration and depression that circumstances have held you in. Arise, shine. It says here, be radiant with the glory of the Lord for the glory of the Lord is upon you. Hallelujah. And it has come. You know that this is a prophetic word in Isaiah that has not yet been fulfilled. It says there's going to be a darkness that covers the earth, a deep darkness over the peoples of the earth, but the Lord will rise upon you and His glory shall be seen in you. Do you know that word in Isaiah has not yet been fulfilled? And I feel like we're right on the edge. We're right on the edge of that word being fulfilled. Why do you think the enemy is fighting so hard to bring such filth 
and such perverseness into our nation? Why do you think He's going for the kids and He's trying to get at our children? He's trying to bring perverseness and darkness and evil intent upon this nation. Why is He trying so hard? Because He knows the light's about to shine. He knows the glory is about to come. And He knows there's a people that have been prepared since the beginning of time to be in this day and in this hour who will stand and who will fight and who will display the glory of God across the earth in Jesus' Name. Amen. So it's not a time to be silent. It's not a time to be discouraged. This morning, I want to impart something to you to get you to rise up. You know, I I pray with pastors across the nation. We've been doing this now. I think we're into our about our sixth or seventh week. It might be longer than that. Where we agree together that we'll pray for 10 minutes every day for the nation of Australia together. And Pastor Kim Jones from Liberty Church, incredible uh, apostolic prophetic prayer. She's been posting prayers that we could all pray together across the nation for 10 minutes every day. And it's been, you know, profound to just stop and just pray for the nation for 10 minutes. What a difference. But she wrote something that just caught my eye the other day. And it said this, it's time for the church to wake up, to get up, and to get dressed. It's time for the church to wake up, to get up, and to get dressed. It's time for us to wake up from the depression, from the oppression that circumstances have held us in. It's time to wake up. It's time for that delusion to come off our minds that we are done, that we are finished, that that somehow Satan is greater than God. That is a delusion that Jesus is enthroned. It's time for us to wake up. It's time for us to get up. It's time for us to stand up and fight back. It's time for us to fight back with everything that we have inside of us. Amen. And it's time for us to get dressed, to put on the full armour of the, of the Lord, to put on the full armour of the Lord, breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth. Amen. The helmet of salvation, the shoes of the gospel, the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of the Lord. It's time for us to wake up, get up and get dressed. I love it. I feel like God is doing this, you know, such a profound thing. You know, this morning I had just an image of Jesus just standing here in front of me. He was full light. He was just light. And the light just filled everything. And He just said, I'm here. And you know, when you know Jesus is here, When you know Jesus is here, because He says, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. When you know Jesus is here, suddenly you realise it doesn't depend on you anymore. All it depends on is your submission to Him, your abiding with Him, your connection with Him, because He's the one that's going to do this. And we're just going to be taken on for the most glorious ride 
We can be in Him or we can be outside of Him, even as Christians. But this is the time where He wants to connect us into His heart, into the very deep places of His Spirit, so that as He moves, we move. As He speaks, we speak. As He goes, we go. What He touches, we touch. That we would be like Him on the earth, that we would be so connected with Him. That's the glory, people. That, that, that is how the glory is going to fill the earth. Through each one of us being so connected in our spirit with Jesus. That he is released through us right across the earth, wherever we go, whatever we touch, whatever we do. And he's going to use your personality. He's going to use your gift. He's going to use your weakness. He's going to use your inadequacies. He's going to use your humility. He's going to use you. He's going to use you. Because you are the beloved. You are the beloved of Jesus. You are his beloved. And he's going to display his beloved to this world in Jesus' name. One of my favourite preachers, I have to say, is Pastor Phil Pringle. And that kind of helps that he's our boss as well. It's good that you really like your boss's preaching. Lately, he's been preaching. Honestly, it never astounds me that he works so hard that he is all over the world. He's, he's now 65. I think he just turned 65. And he just seems to get better. And it it astounds me that he just stands up and opens his mouth and just, God, wisdom, revelation, just pours out of his mouth. And you look at people like that, you need to look at people like that and say, what is that? What, what, where does he get that from? Because that's how God wants all of us to be right now. God wants his church to be like that, that that we that that Jesus would just pour out of us. It's like my cup overflow. It's a cup overflow. And we're so full of him that we overflow. And that's what Phil Pringle does. And there's only one thing that you can acquaint an anointing like that with, and that's prayer. That's someone who spends regular time in the presence of the Lord praying. I love that about Phil Pringle. I love that about him. I love that he is a man after God's own heart. And he's leading the way. He's leading a charge by spending copious amounts of time with Lord and drawing something down. And I want to use some of his, I want to quote some of his stuff today because I'm just, I just love what he's saying right now, especially about prayer. In John 15, 1 to 8 says this, I am the true vine. and My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Anybody feel like they're being pruned lately? That it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Listen to me. You are already clean. 
Jesus saying, you are already clean because of the Word which I have spoken to you. But He says this, you're already clean, but this is what you need to do. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire, and it shall be done for you. Why do you think the enemy is working so hard to get us not to abide? I mean, if we abide in him, we can ask whatever we want, and it shall be done. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so that you so that you will be sorry so that you will be my disciples how many times in this passage alone is that word abide you know do you think when jesus repeats himself over and over and over and over again that he's trying to get a message to us you know abide abide what does abide mean one, one definition of the word abide means to make your home, to make your home in Christ. I don't know about you, but when I'm not regularly abiding in Him, like I'm talking about every day now, I'm not talking about, well, I had a prayer time last week and I should be cool. You know, God is calling us into daily communion. And if I haven't been with Him, you know, for that one day and then I go into the next day, I feel like I've lost home. I, I feel like I've lost home. It's like I'm, because the Bible says we're in this world, but we're not of it. And so if we're trying to function in this world outside of abiding, then we're actually lost. We actually lose home because home is where Christ is. Home is where His heart is. That's where home is. That's where I find home. That's where I know who I am. That's when I walk into my Father's house while I'm abiding in Jesus and I'm in my Father's lounge room and my Father speaks over me and the Holy Spirit is around me and Jesus is communing with me. And all three of them are saying, this is who you are, Julie, this is who you are. This is who you are. Don't listen to the taunts of the enemy. Don't listen to him. Listen to us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we are speaking into you as you abide in the home that we have created for you to live in. That garden, that home, that's that place of his presence. That if you abide in that, you can walk in that any place you go. Another definition of that is to have a habitual lifestyle that locates you inside Jesus and Him inside of you. Now, I, I use that word habitual. To have an habitual lifestyle that locates you inside Jesus and Him inside of you. To abide 
to habitually, to have a habit of abiding in Christ. Following Christ is learning to live a new lifestyle. Is that right? There's new patterns, new customs, new ways of doing life. And the, and the, way, the only way that we're going to be fruitful is to habitually abide in Jesus. You know, it's not about occasionally visiting Him. That's not what he's saying in that scripture. He didn't say, if you occasionally visit me, then you will bear much fruit and you will be my disciples. He didn't say occasionally visit. He said, if you abide, if you habitually find home, if you habitually find a place where I'm in you and you are in me, then you'll be my disciples and you will bear much fruit. Hallelujah. Abiding is, is, Pastor Phil Pringle says, abiding is a biblical word for habit. And he says this, the power of habit cannot be underestimated. He said 45% of the things we do every day are not decisions we make, but they are done automatically just out of habit. He said 95% of the things we do in a day are actually just in our subconscious mind. That's incredible. But 45% of the things we do every day, they're not decisions we make. They're just things that we do automatically out of habit. How many people think about brushing their teeth? Unless you really like Bree, you're a dentist and and you've just been to the dentist and she's just told you, make sure you do it like this and you're in the mirror going, I have to go up and down. But you don't think about it. What about when you're driving a car? I don't know how many times I've gone from A to B and I can't remember getting how I got there. You just turn up and go, oh, gee whiz, I hope I stopped at those red lights or whatever. Like I'm, I'm in the spirit, I'm praying, I'm, and I'm not thinking because I'm in that automatic place because it's a habit. But what about when you first learned to drive a car? What was that like? I know I've taught all my daughters to drive and um, Phil was going to, he chickened out after the first go with Jilly when she nearly killed him. And uh, because he just assumed she knew how to drive. She knows how to drive, doesn't she? She's, go Jilly, just go. And he just sat back and started praying and getting in the zone. And then they came to a roundabout. Jilly had never gone around a roundabout before. He didn't know that. And so Jilly just kept going straight at the roundabout. And he had to reach over and grab the wheel and, Jilly, you go around the roundabout. He said, pull over. He pulled over the side of the road. Get in the passenger seat. He drove home and he said, this is your job. I'm not doing this anymore. You know? But I taught all those girls to drive. Jessica was amazing. She seemed like, she was just like second nature to her. I don't know why. She just got in a car and she just says, shut up, mum, don't tell me what to do. And so that's how Jess is. So I just sat there saying, okay, I don't know how to drive. You do, you go for it. Um, But you know what? I get in the car with Jessie now and she's definitely on automatic pilot. And it wasn't me that taught her to drive because she's a terrible driver now. You know, she's just rides those brakes but I'm not gonna tell her how to do it anymore because she's on automatic. It's true, but isn't it? When we first ride a bike, you know, I noticed Miller, you know, I took my training wheels off, Pastor Julie, I could ride a bike, you know? And um, it's a big day when you take your training wheels off and you can ride a bike. But how many of you know, she's just gonna be scooting around on that bike and she's wanna, 
she's probably going to want to ride motorbikes next if she hangs out with Andrew uh, and his kids enough. But you know what? It just becomes habit. It becomes like normal. It becomes part of life. And this is what Jesus is saying. If you abide in me, if you make a habit of it, if it becomes second nature to you, and this is what Phil Pringle has done. He's made a habit of it. Amen? Oh, it's 11 o'clock already. Gee whiz. <sighs> so much I want to say. Thank you, Lord. He says here, Habits create who you are. People will know you by your habits. How many people will know when people say, oh yeah, they'll be late. Don't worry, just relax. They're always late, you know. Oh yeah, you can rely on them. They're on time. Or don't lend that person money. They never pay you back. Or yeah, it's cool to lend that person money because they always pay you back. You know, repeated habit creates character. And character creates destiny. And the direction of your life will always be determined by your character. Your character will be determined by your habits. Good habits give you good character leading to destiny. Bad habits will continually bring destruction. And the best way to break a bad habit is to begin a good one. Amen. Definition of habit, an acquired behaviour pattern regularly followed until it becomes almost involuntary. Phil Pringle said this is what he's done with his prayer life. That he's actually, over the years, I mean, he's been a minister, is it 45 years now, Phil? 45 years, I think, as a minister. And over the years, he has developed this. But he said when he first started, you know, he remembers the first encounter that he had with someone who prayed was one of the guys who started the Argentine revival. And this guy used to pray between 8 to 16 hours every day. And Phil Pringer says, I'm going to be just like him. I'm going to pray 8 to 16 hours every day and I'm going to cause a mighty revival to come. He said he was such a young Christian. He didn't have much vocabulary. He locked himself away in his room. And he, you know, he's in his room and he's going, okay. And he prayed through everything that he could think of. He prayed through every list that he could think of. He prayed everything. And he goes, oh, wow, he's just exhausted. And he said, that must have been at least an hour. And he looks at his watch and it was five minutes. I was like, oh. So I'm not going to be that kind of prayer. And he got really discouraged. But anybody be discouraged when you, you know, you've tried and it just doesn't work? And so then he said, then he, said um, he was determined to find God. So he went to the church they were going to at the time. It was a bit of a, um, a, in a denominational church, a bit old-fashioned. And he said, I'm going, to go, I'm going to go to the daytime, lunchtime prayer meeting. And he said he walked in there and there was all these grey-haired people sitting and he just goes, this is so boring, surely. And he said that was the day that he you know, first hated prayer and he, and he knew that something had to change. So he decided that he would go, you know, in, he, he lived in New Zealand at the time, he, he went and hired out a little cottage and he went into the cottage. It was said it was $1.25 a night. It was just very <laughs> humble and simple. He had a thermos of coffee and he was going to find God. He was determined that he was going to find God. And so he's just in the cabin at first praying, nothing's happening. So he goes outside and just for a joke, 
you know, just because he was just so frustrated, he started lifting up rocks. God, are you there? And looking behind bushes, God, are you there? God, where are you? You know, this is ridiculous. I'm here. I've paid a dollar twenty-five night to be in a cabin. I'm going to find you. I've got to find you. And he said, all of a sudden, whew, it was just like that. He was in the presence of Jesus. And he said, I just felt this feeling come around me. I felt, and I felt that abiding presence. I felt, oh, well, he's here. And then I just didn't know what to say. Like, okay, so, um, hello, you're nice, aren't you? You're good. And he said, you know, and he was just sort of awkward like that, but he was just loving this feeling of the presence of Jesus. And when he came out of that, he said, boy, you know, that was amazing. It must have been about five minutes. And he looks at his watch, one hour. He'd been one hour in the presence of Jesus. That's when he realised prayer isn't about words. Prayer, prayer isn't about prayer. Prayer is about relationship. Abiding in Him is about relationship. Amen. It's about us having a relationship with a God who loves us. You know, it says in, um, when the disciples said, Jesus, how should we pray? And Jesus said this, you know, pray in this manner, our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done as it is in heaven. And then he said this, give us this day our daily bread. If it's give us this day our daily bread, then prayer must be most effectual in the morning. Because if we're going to ask for the bread for that day, we need to ask for it in the morning. And then if we're looking at a whole day ahead of us and we don't know what's in store for us, we don't know what is planned for us, we don't know what the enemy has in store for us, we don't know what God has in store for us. And we take the mercies that are new every morning. Who knows that? New mercy every morning. So we could walk out the door without our fresh mercies that morning. We can just walk out and not have it. Or we can pull down that fresh mercy for that morning, begin our day, in prayer, begin our day in abiding, begin our day in hearing and listening, begin our day in relationship with Him so that when we go out into our day, whatever we face, whatever comes against us, we're already prepared, we're already equipped, we're already ready. There are no surprises, there's no sneak attacks and there's no people that walk past you in the street that you should have reached out to that go unnoticed because you're in abiding presence of Jesus. You're in that place. Amen. I've got, there's such a beautiful part of this that, that I want to preach, but I'm going to preach it next time because I wanted to talk about Daniel. Oh, I just love Daniel. You know, in each one of us, 
there is prophetic words, there is destiny yet unfulfilled, there is the plans of the Lord that are written in his book. And it's not enough just to say, well, God said it about me, therefore it's just going to happen. You know, there comes a time in a place where we have to begin to war over what is ours, that we need to fight over what has been given to us. And we need to abide at all costs. Amen. You know, just talking about Daniel, and I could go into the whole story, but I haven't got time. But Daniel was in Nebuchadnezzar's reign. He was in a basically a satanic regime under a satanic king. He'd been pulled out of his home. He'd been pulled away from his parents. He was nine or 10 years old and he was taken out and he was trained up in the ways of Nebuchadnezzar, in the Babylonian ways. Yet he was a man who prayed three times a day from when he was a boy and had a habit of praying. There were many things that came against Daniel while he was there. He refused to eat the king's food. He wanted to keep himself holy unto the Lord. They gave him a chance to eat the king's food to see if he was weaker. He came out 10 times stronger than the other men because he obeyed God in the midst of a Babylonian society. He obeyed God and he came out 10 times stronger. And then there came this time where Satan wanted so much to stop him because he could see that as he was abiding, as he was abiding in prayer, as he has a habit of praying morning, noon and night, that there was something on this Daniel that was gonna foil his plans. See, Daniel knew that there was a prophecy by Jeremiah that in the 70th year, the people will be released from captivity and he knew it was the 69th year. Any of you feel right now in the spirit realm in our nation that it's the 69th year and we're about to come into the place where captivity is gonna be released and God's glory is gonna come? He knew that and he was fighting for it morning, noon and night, three times a day, every day, Daniel fought for the prophecy of Jeremiah morning, noon and night. Satan goes, if I don't get rid of this guy, if I don't stop this guy, he might just pray this prophecy through and it may come to pass. He might just birth this prophecy into being if I don't deal with him. How could he get rid of Daniel? He couldn't touch him. Because if you pray morning, noon and night, how many of you know that you're under the covering of the Lord God Almighty, that Satan cannot touch you? The only thing he could do is work through an evil edict through the king, when the whisperers and, the, and those that advised the king came to the king and said, we should make it a law that no one can pray to any other God except the gods that you put in place. And Daniel, he prays three times a day to this other God and we should make it a law that no one can pray to any other God except that they would be killed. And so the law went out. And what did Daniel do with that law? Do you think Satan could stop him praying? And yet what stops us praying? A mobile phone, an email, a child crying, housework, 
Haven't got time today. What stops us praying? Is it a life-threatening situation that would stop you praying? Is it that you're going to die if you pray? And so they said to Daniel, the king says to Daniel, Daniel, please don't pray for 30 days. It only goes for 30 days, this edict. And then you'll be all right because I really like you, Daniel. And I want you to stick around. Daniel, please don't pray for 30 days. Daniel, as, and it says, as it was his custom, as it was his habit to do, Daniel stood by his window and prayed morning, noon and night. And they dobbed him in, of course. And they came to the king and said, there he is. See, I told you. See, Satan thought he had him. Satan thought he had him. But how many of you know if you pray morning, noon and night, if you stay in habitual prayer, that you are under a covering, that not you, nor your family, nor your children can be touched by Satan. Amen. He might threaten you. He might put things in place, but you follow the Lord and you are safely in His hands. So the king says, oh no, Daniel, I have to throw you into the lion's den. Oh no, what am I going to do? And he says, Daniel, let me know if your, king, if your God protects you. Let me know. And I think Nebuchadnezzar was hoping that God would protect Daniel because he loved him, because he interpreted his dreams. He was amazing. And so they throw him in with the lions. And, and, and there's Daniel just walking amongst the lions as it was his habit to do, praying. And every lion's mouth was shut. And King Nebuchadnezzar comes down the next morning and says to him, Daniel, did your God protect you? And Daniel yells out, yes, he did. My God did protect me. So he pulls Daniel out of there and all the people that dobbed him in, he threw them, their wives and their children. And the lions were so ravenous, they ate them before they hit the ground. That is how vicious Satan is. That he will go after families and children if they don't have that prayer covering. Prayerlessness will let him in. And we need to rise up like Daniel, stand up and just pray over these prophecies that have been put in place. Pray over the prophecies that have been put in place in your life. Hallelujah. And reintroduce a habit of prayer. Now, when I was in um, Nairobi in Africa, how many know it's hard to keep the habit, a habit up when atmospheres and circumstances change. If you've ever been to Africa, I know Luke has, a couple of other people been to Africa, you know that there's a certain atmosphere in Africa that is a little different to the atmosphere in Australia. And you know that you either pray or you're going to die. And so you know you've got to pray. Is that right? Cam Harvey's going, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and so it's so important. But how many of you know that you know, the more that is against you to pray, the harder it is to pray and the harder it is. And you're in someone's house. I mean, Jamie Garth's house. I want to get up and pray. There's nowhere to go for me to pray. Like, where can I go to pray without waking everyone up? And um, so, because I like to pray early in the mornings. This morning I prayed at four, from four to five in the morning. That's just when God woke me up. So I was obedient. I prayed from four to five in the morning. And lucky feels a deep sleeper because I just pray right there. And um, so I'm up and I go, God, how do I do this? How do I do this? And so I thought, okay, I know what I'll do. I'll put my earphones, because I like to pray to music. So I put my earphones in with the music in my ears and I'll just quietly pray in tongues. And because, listen, sometimes the only way you can do it is pray in the Spirit. You know, there's, sometimes there's no English words 
to get a breakthrough. And I always, and Phil Pringle will say the same, you pray in the Spirit, always begin in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit, until you feel the abiding presence, then you can pray in English. But pray in the Spirit until you feel the abiding presence. So I thought, okay, I'll do that. And I was in Jamie Garth's lounge room, everybody else asleep early in the morning, you know, and I'm like there, and you know, Jesus came and I'm crying and presence of Jesus is there and I'm like I'm getting visions and I'm just like in this incredible place and Jamie comes downstairs she taps me on the leg she said mum I said what do you think you're being quiet <laughs> I said yes she said mum you're waking the whole neighborhood up like because I had my earphones in I couldn't hear but I realized I realized one thing through that that by putting my earphones in and not hearing myself pray in the Spirit, I could actually pray in the Spirit a lot more effectively. So that might be a tip for somebody today. Put some earphones in, turn the music up loud and go for it. And you can't even hear yourself. So, you, you know, I mean, it's just so much easier. It's so much easier. Look, I just really pray this morning that I have encouraged you. Because this is, look, you know, for those of you who've been in this church a long time, we've been saying for 21 years, you know, God is coming, God is coming. Yes, He is. And He still is. And He's still on the throne. And He's still in control. And He's still pouring out His Spirit. And He's still bringing. But this is the time for Australia to arise. Some of the, the prophets are saying, you know, that we sat with, you know, it's if you want to go get someone healed, you know, just go to India or one of those third world countries. You can get someone healed, easy peasy. And then you're going to feel real good about yourself. Try and pray for someone to get healed in Australia. You're not going to feel so good about yourself for too long. They say that the four hardest places in the world to reach, the four most unreached people groups, Australia on the list. The hardest place to reach. Four hardest places to reach in the world. We're on the top of the list. Why do you think that is? Because Satan doesn't want to happen what is going to happen in this nation. If we just make a habit of prayer. It's one thing to get corporate prayer happening, but what if we all got personal prayer happening? Let's stand to our feet in Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.